dark. Hail your dark senior. Hail not mock needs. Hail your asir. Hail our O senior. And I welcome the Valkyries to summon me. Hail the day. Hail the sons of day. Hail to night and her sister. Hail the gods. Hail the goddesses. Hey, and welcome back to another episode where we push through the thunder and emerge on the other side a little bit stronger and hopefully a little bit wiser. Today's guest is Chris from Underworld Strength, a man who is no stranger to the Riddle of Steel, and he had a lot to share on the subject of the mental and physical aspects of self-development within the sphere of masculinity that I'm sure you will all find invaluable. Enjoy. in life, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. Hey, Chris, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm really, really glad to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. I mean, I remember I stumbled upon your um, Instagram a while back, and then I just kind of reached out to you. I remember asking... You must have been like, why is this guy boring me with all these dumb questions? But I remember asking like uh, <laughs> about stretching and in particular things like um, barefooting. And I found the stuff you shared with me really, really helpful um, as far as my own development kind of went with that. But I want to kind of start with how did you get into this whole, um, you know, self-improvement um, fitness mindset? Were you like that your whole life or was this a, a later thing? No, it definitely wasn't like that my whole life. Uh, I, around like partway through high school or so, I kind of went down a dark path. I started smoking weed really heavily and getting into drugs and all that kind of stuff. And I stayed in that mindset and in that way of life for a few years and things started to get really bad. Uh, I went to college for a year and all of that kind of reached its peak there. And, you know, I, I got out of college that year and I just decided that something had to change, something had to give. I couldn't keep living that way. I was really unhappy. So I was going on the Internet and looking and seeing what was out there. And uh, probably the first thing I stumbled on was Mark's Daily Apple. I don't know if you're familiar with that blog. I've stumbled upon. Yeah, no, I do recognize that. I must have been on there once or twice before. Yeah, he was kind of he, he was one of the was early the guys. Paleo? Was he the paleo yep. guy? Yeah, he was one of the earlier guys in the paleo movement, and that was what started getting me into barefooting and into eating healthy. I'd been raised uh, vegetarian, not eating very healthy, and oh, so that was yeah. all very new to me, you know, the paleo stuff, and I wanted to, I wanted to get my body in better shape. I want to get healthier. I want to get my mind in better shape, and so that's kind of where it started, and, you know, it just developed from there. I started reading all kinds of books and going on all kinds of just learning what I could. Did you have any like mentors along the way or was it very much you, you, you pioneered it yourself? 
it wasn't I, I didn't really have any real life mentors i didn't grow up with very good role models which is part of the reason you know i found myself in not a very good place and i ended up finding a lot of guys that i looked up to on the internet which i don't think is ideal it's a lot better to have real life mentors for sure but it's a lot better to have internet mentors than no one <laughs> so 100%. yeah i found um one of the early works i got into was jack donovan a lot of guys listening to this are probably familiar with Jack Donovan. He wrote The Way of Men and a yep. bunch of other books. And that was a foundational book for me. It was very influential because I'd never, you know, I'd been raised in an environment masculinity was kind of bad. And it was the typical leftist way of looking at things that, you know, that men, boys shouldn't be aggressive and shouldn't be men. And so I've been kind of brainwashed that way. And so The Way of Men just and really started me down the, the masculinity path as well. Yeah, man, I, I relate to that. I come from obviously I'm in Scotland, right? So just 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 an earlier, just to backtrack to what you said earlier, because I'm in Scotland, I think we have like the highest case of like heart disease in Europe. So our diet is, is like atrocious. So I grew up with like uh, loads of candy and uh, sugary drinks that have unbelievable amounts of sugar them sugar in yeah. them over here in Scotland. It's just crazy. Just like yeah. constant sugar, 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 and just like uh, sugar with high fat. So maybe if we had the high fat diet without all that sugar and carbs, I'd be a bit better. But yeah, my diet wasn't so great either. And it's been a long kind of lifelong journey to kind of try and fix that. But I'm definitely on the path now. And just then just to talk about kind of what you said about Jack Donovan. Um, I come from my, my background professionally is in human resources. And at least in the UK, HR is and universities as well are so far left biased that yeah, at times sure. it can feel, I mean I'm, it's not that everyone thinks this is just a lot of the time you're sitting through classes and they're basically telling you why being a man is <laughs> uh, rubbish or how men have ruined the world and stuff so it was yep. really refreshing to actually like stumble upon this guy's book and he doesn't you know pull any punches he just tells it like it is but he's also really eloquent as well and he's clearly quite a strong uh, masculine dude as well so uh, yeah, it had a, had a serious influence on me. Um, have you? Well, are there any other authors or anything like that that you find to be quite motivational for you? Uh, or not even motivational, read, inspirational, maybe. Yeah, I've read uh, a lot of Nietzsche, of course. A, a lot of guys in our sphere have read Nietzsche. I mean, Jack Donovan was very influenced by Nietzsche. Uh, I find his philosophy to be uh, probably the most useful to young guys. It's it's actionable. It it feels good. You know, it, it feels like you're becoming stronger and overcoming obstacles, which is really what guys want to do and what masculinity is about in a lot of ways. So Nietzsche is influential on me for sure as a philosopher. Yeah, man. What about that? Is there? I've not read him yet, but I think is I think he's called like it's the power the power aesthetic or something like that. Is that? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the power aesthetic is a podcast started by Paul Wagner. Yes, that he, guy. he's um, he's one of the leaders of uh, the Wolves of Inland, which is a gang, I guess you could call it, that's spread throughout America and also in Europe, too. It has some small chapters. I discovered Paul Wagner through Jack Donovan because Jack Donovan did a stint in the Wolves. And Paul Wagner is much smaller, you know, in, in terms of like his following and, and everything. But I really like his work as well. I recommend everyone, especially young guys, to to check out Paul Wagner's work. He's put out a ton of books. He's been banned on all social media sites like a hundred times, and he keeps coming back. Uh, right now, 
he has an Instagram called the power aesthetic, or I think it's just at power aesthetic. And he has a, a podcast where he talks about a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was he was definitely influential on me as well. Giants lived in the earth, Conan. And in the darkness of chaos, they fooled Krom. And they took from him the enigma of steel. Krom was angered, and the earth shook. And fire and wind struck down these giants, and they threw their bodies into the waters. But in their rage, the gods forgot the secret of steel and left it on the battlefield. And we who found it, just men, not gods, not giants, just men. And the secret of steel has always carried with it a mystery. You must learn its riddle, Conan. You must learn its discipline. For no one, no one in this world can you trust. Not men, not women, not beasts. reminded me of something i was kind of joking with you about the riddle of steel from conan uh and i remember right at the start of that film actually it comes up frederick nietzsche what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger um uh-huh. and I, I watched this video this guy put together this video on youtube uh and it was about what the answer to the riddle of steel was and there, he proposed three things right i just wanted to see what you thought of this even though it's a, it's a conan film right it's just a film but i think there's you, you can take greater meaning from these things um so the riddle of steel, on one hand, is put your trust in the sword and steel itself. And the other one is, I think the villain in the film says he found flesh to be more powerful. So that's why he was a cult leader. But then the guy in the video proposes that the actual answer to the riddle of steel is the very stark quote of the film by Nietzsche, which is what doesn't kill you make you strong makes you stronger. Um, so you see, obviously, the protagonist, uh, Conan, going through all these... Uh, hellish ordeals. I think he gets crucified at one point, but he survives and he comes back stronger each time he goes through that. Would you would you say uh, that idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is true to your experience, or would you disagree? Yeah, I I definitely do think that's true. I, I think what it comes down to is is having a lot of experience and and having gone through a lot of things because a, a lot of guys now and I think probably always in history have not had enough experience and they don't really know what they're made of so they've never they've never had to put their either their physical will or you know their mental will up to a real challenge and they kind of live in this world of just wondering what they're made of and not and they have all these you know ideas and their imagination runs wild but i think that the idea of really um overcoming physical obstacles getting real life experience so that you learn what you're made of and of course it's not what you're made of it's also you're you're creating yourself as well you know if you don't have a lot of experience then you know you're not going to do as well and then you keep trying and you keep trying and 
the more obstacles you overcome, your power grows, your confidence grows, and experience grows. You, you have a wider uh, birth of experience. And I definitely think that that's true. And as not just as a man, I mean, just as a person to pursue experience, to to try to overcome as many things as you can. And that's kind of the basis of the Nietzschean philosophy is that um, the the greatest feeling and really the feeling that makes you feel alive is the feeling of overcoming and the feeling of your own power growing and rising. Because, I mean, if you're not getting stronger, more than likely you're getting weaker. Very rarely do people stay the same. I mean, if anything, they're just getting older. And so it's important to, you know, to be pursuing new experiences and to be trying to overcome obstacles. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about it on the podcast um, with some people before um, about how it's so easy for guys to get trapped in a cycle of depression through for various reasons, whether it be diet, the life you're living, the way you think, being that nihilistic kind of way that life doesn't matter and all that kind of stuff. And then you stop pushing yourself. And then when you stop pushing yourself, you start to recede and go backwards. So it's suddenly suddenly leaving the house just to go to a social event becomes like uh, a marathon, whereas yeah. you can't shy away from things that make you nervous. You have to push forward. Like, so if you are, if you have social anxiety, get go somewhere social and push yourself through it to the point where you can break that down. I mean, that, that, that's just my own lived experience. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you have to, you have to start small with things. I think sometimes people try to take a giant leap all at once and, and of course it fails and then they feel very discouraged and disheartened and they say, oh, well, I, I tried and it just didn't work. So I think it's important to, to start small and work your way up. I mean, that's kind of the idea of, of overcoming is, you know, you, your power grows. It's like you're feeding the fire where it starts off small and then the bigger your fire gets, the, the bigger fuel it can consume, the bigger logs you can put in there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's the best thing to tell people is, you know, create it like, uh, you know, make it achievable, um, make it measurable um, and don't try and go from I I can't I, I can only run 100 meters to saying I'm going to do what David Goggins does and do an ultra marathon in a month yeah. because you're yeah. going to be disappointed when you fail. So, yeah. I mean, for me, a number of years ago when I was really ill, I could barely move about my house. So I had to go. I had to. To, to break it down and be like right today i'm going to walk to the end of my street and walk back and then the next week i'll walk to the two streets down eventually two or three months later i was going two or three three or four miles and then yeah. it, it just becomes normal what what was what seemed impossible suddenly is just normal it's just like breathing um i think it's important that people internalize that and realize that that's a natural part of life yeah i, I mean all from small overcoming you know it's like i like to use because i'm a gym rat <laughs> i like to use that <laughs> as an analogy so you know by when you're building muscle you do the idea is to do a little bit more than last time you can't you can't do way more you're just going to totally fail and so it's just that you, you have to get into the cycle of growth and of building and you know and it gets easier it's like you build momentum and then before you know it you're you're just going like crazy and and it's a great feeling you know something that I noticed, I was just thinking about this the other night, like your, your name, uh, the underworld strength name, right? And then I was thinking about the solar community and I'd, I'm not really like 100% clued up on the, what, <laughs> the solar community, 100%. Um, I follow some people on it. But for me, it kind of made me, I just had this idea in my head, like you seem to work out, and <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, 
you go down into like a dungeon type basement type thing where it's dark <laughs> and like uh-huh. gritty and it's like very much the underworld you're like descending into hell uh to push yourself through whatever you need to do um and i just thought i just thought there was like a there was like a distinction there between that and the kind of solar you know uh ideal do you want to comment on that at all or have i just totally made that up in my head yeah yeah i mean i've i I got into the solar community a little bit a little while back and they're mostly they're good guys and they're doing good things and i don't want to throw shade on them with anything but i found that a lot of it there's a few really good accounts and then there's just kind of a million like small accounts that are all saying the same thing they're all just posting pictures of statues and saying the exact same thing and it gets it gets kind of tiresome like I said, I don't want to throw shade on them. I, I, I approve of what they're doing. I think it's great. Yeah. I think I think guys need to get into that community. It's been my aesthetic. That's not really what I like. I've always liked kind of dark and gritty stuff. You know, I like I like violent, dark films and heavy metal and, and, and Conan the Barbarian. So to me, that was always... Uh, I, I never really liked the, the 80s style glam stuff that they seem to be kind of bringing back. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I've worked out in a lot of different through long periods of time where I've worked out in regular commercial gyms. And to me, that environment is, is not conducive to really pushing yourself. If you got like a good, a good training partner or something, then you can play pop music or at best they play like normal rock radio music. And I don't know, it's very sanitary and it's just not an environment that I like. And so I like to have a, a darker, more hardcore environment. And I, I'm a big believer in, creating your environment to uh to create the kind of atmosphere that you want to create the kind of and to me like i don't i don't lift weights to really have fun or anything like i i do enjoy it in a way but it's not a it's not a fun thing you know it's i I try to push myself and i try to make it hard and i like to have a a dark and gritty environment that puts me in that gritty one more rep type of mindset and not everyone has the ability to do that go to commercial gyms and i have plenty of times so, you know, you, you just make the best out of what you can. But yeah, I, I guess I wanted to put out a different aesthetic than the solar thing. I, I agree with a lot of what they say. And I say yeah. a lot of similar things and it's all great, you know, but I, I like to put out a, a, a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. No, I, I get you. I, I There's a lot of, there's a few, sorry, accounts on the solar side, which I'm really into. And then I agree. There's, there's so many people who just uh, emulate what they're doing. So it becomes a bit repetitive, but I think they definitely are are on the right path and it made me kind of think like they're very much obviously they're they're deeper than this and i'm not going to go into a big critique of their philosophy but i'm just going to touch the surface and say when i look at them and i look at kind of what you're doing um there's certain similarities but they feel more aesthetic so like the pictures of like uh the 80s pictures and and the guys in in the suits from the 70s and stuff like that and then when you post something it feels to me like it's a lot more primal um like that kind of grime and primal and uh more functional as opposed to aesthetic would you agree or yeah i mean i do like i do like aesthetics in a way but i like a different yeah it is it is they are like both like aesthetic but it's just yeah it's like a more of a primal edge to it which i think is 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 pretty cool man um and it made me kind of think as well like um the conversation we had really really early on i think when i first started speaking to you I think I listened to one of your episodes on your, your own podcast and it was about how important stretching is, you know, and that that was a big deal to me at the time because I've basically had a, you know, chronic pelvic pain for the last 18 months or so. I just couldn't fix it. And I realized that 
at work when I was standing at the desk all day. I didn't realize this, but I was doing this for years. I was basically tensing the whole time. Uh-huh. And then when I, when I put my thoughts to that and realized I'm actually tensing my pelvic areas, like all the lower, lower um, pelvic areas all tense. So I just took, took a deep breath and just released. And doing that and then a bunch of stretches that I found online that I did every day um, made a huge difference. I mean, it's not gone, but it's like 90% better. So how do you... What what's your kind of like philosophy towards stretching? How important is it for you? Yeah, stretching. I've gone back and forth with stretching a lot. Young, I mean, I, I was always in sports and everything, so I'd always stretched, and I never liked it all that much to begin with. Um, I didn't think it was all that good at first. I didn't think it had much value, and like you were talking about with the releasing tension, that's something that I'm I'm really big on, and I'm trying to spread that. Uh, knowledge to people because it seems like no one knows and Mm. I didn't know for a long time and I dealt with a lot of uh, chronic injuries severe pain over the years both like in my in my body and my muscles and also I had pretty bad stomach issues for a long time and I finally realized and I always thought this was kind of crazy that you know that you thought or that your mind could have any kind of effect on your body I always thought that they were two different things you know so I always kind of attacked these issues like um, chronic injuries. I always attacked that through endless stretches and endless exercises and all that. And none of it worked. And if anything, it made it worse because I was thinking about it and focusing on it so much. Mm-hmm. And then I read um, I read a book by Dr. John Sarno. He was, um, he was one of the pioneers of the whole mind-body thing. And I've read a lot since, but he was kind of the the guy that started all this for me in realizing that there's a huge connection between your mind and your body and really they are one and so a lot of people probably most people carry a ton of tension all day long they're they're holding muscles they're flexing muscles they're and usually they don't realize it usually it's muscles like your abs or your hips or your pelvis like you were talking about yeah or like your kegel muscles a lot and i mean it's different for everyone but but it's like a result of stress and it's a result of mental tension and then it kind of starts this cycle of um, being in physical pain, which makes you more mentally tense. And then that creates more physical tension. It's just a, it's a terrible cycle to get into. Yeah. And so I finally started to see that the key to getting and everything and pain was relaxation more than anything else. And I started to learn how to release muscle tension and how to and stretching became a part of that because. I think that the way to stretch is to do it very calm, very relaxed. And as a means of, I'm not, I'm not at all a fan of like hard stretching or deep stretching or like really aggressive yoga, which I've tried and it usually does more harm than good. So I was going to, I was going to totally agree with you on that because when I watched that video online of this guy who describes these stretches to do for chronic pelvic pain sufferers, he talks about like, just like push the stretch as far as you can. And I was like, okay. But when I did that, it just hurt. And it wasn't helping. But yeah. when I, I did kind of like more like what you're describing, whereas I, I took the stretch to a point that was like, you know, a reasonable point. And then I focused more on breathing while holding the stretch. Yeah. I just like made sure that breathing was like deep and relaxed and calm. That was better than when I did what he was suggesting, which is just push it to the maximum it'll go because I just felt like I was like ripping my muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. I've done plenty of that over the years. It's it's not really what you're trying to go after with stretching. I mean, even if you want to like improve your flexibility, which is the reason a lot of people stretch, 
like we were talking about before, it's it's small incremental improvements, not mm. not straining it to the absolute limit every time. What do you do about do you do foam rolling or anything like that? Yeah, I I used to do more of that. I used to do a lot of foam rolling when I was into like all the the physical stuff for this, you know, foam rolling, stretching, a million different chiropractic type exercises and this and that. Mm. I do it a little bit still once in a while. Uh, I, I'll use a soft foam roller rather than like the really hard ones. Or sometimes I use like a piece of PVC pipe and that's kind of hard. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. I don't do it too much anymore. I, I found more value in, in movement and in like staying mobile in walk. Yeah. You know, getting up and moving a lot throughout the day. I think it's a whole lot easier to stay loose and stay relaxed than it is to try to get relaxed when you're, you're already really tense. Yeah, man, 100%. I agree. Um, have you ever, I mean, I was going to ask you if you've ever tried this. It was something I stumbled upon again. It was a few weeks ago. I was doing a YouTube dive and I saw this guy doing something called primal movement. Have you seen that at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. So it's like a guy, he'll, he'll do like bear crawls, like along, like, <laughs> like along the grass. So he'll like walk like a bear. Oh, or yeah. Walk like a crab and stuff like that. Um, and I just thought, like, to me, it looked like it looked really crazy because it was very different. But then, I started thinking about it and I get the whole primal aspect of that because way, way back when we were hunter, proper hunter gatherers, we probably did move a lot more like that. Um, but when I tried to do it, being an office guy, he works at, I work in an office, it just feels so foreign because I'm sitting down all day and that's just like almost, I feel sometimes when you're sitting in a chair all day, it's just like killing that, you know, that primal essence of who you're meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, sitting definitely isn't good. Yeah, about because there's a there's an upper belt at my jujitsu gym who's into that kind of stuff. I, th I think he calls it uh, wander motion or, or something like that. I'm not sure, but sometimes he leads classes and we do a lot of those drills where, like you said, we're doing like strange bear crawling and lizard crawling and and it looks yeah. weird and then like it feels weird at first, but once you start to get the motion down, it it does feel kind of good. It it takes your joints through a range of motion that normally they would never go through, and you know I like it. So I, you do jiu-jitsu, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, about like a year and a half or so, a couple of years. It's hard to say. I was doing it a little bit before COVID shut down for a while. And then like they came back online, but we were just doing drills and not, not doing any rolling or partner drills or anything for a while. So I don't know, probably like a year and a half total. Do you, do you get a lot out of like martial arts? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Growing up, I did all kinds of different karate, and I've done a lot of boxing over the years, and I really like martial arts. I was always a huge fan of martial arts movies like Tony Jaa and Iko Uwais <laughs> and some of those guys, and I love those movies. I watched those things over and over and over. Mm. Awesome, yeah, for sure. Um, it's not something I've had a chance to do because by the time I realized I wanted to try it, we're right in the middle of COVID. I think it was last summer. Um, but there's a gym near me. It looks great. Um, the instructor just got his black belt um, in Amsterdam. Um, so he, he seems totally legit and stuff. It seems like a really good place. I'm, I'm totally pumped to do this, but we're still under all these lockdown rules. So I've got... Oh, really? You still are? Damn. Yeah, I mean, we're not in full lockdown, but it's like you can go to class. Well, here's the thing, right? It's uh, only um, two miles away from me, but I'm literally on the border of the next um, of the next council area. And my area, because it's called, because it's in the city of Glasgow, is still at a different level of lockdown to them. So I'm not allowed to go, if that makes sense. It seems oh, crazy. Yeah. It's hard to explain, but it's just, yeah, I, I'm totally pumped to do it. Um, 
do you think that's something that like guys need more in their lives is to take up something like martial arts as well as um working out do you think that's important for our mindset yeah 100 percent. i think that martial arts is one of the best things that a young guy can get into i mean pretty much all competitive sports are, are good but i think martial arts is kind of the apex of competitive sports because it it puts you against another person in a way that no other sport can it puts you against another person in that kind of primal aggressive mindset where you know you're trying to you're trying to beat that person it's one other guy in most martial arts it's one other guy to beat him and there's something very primitive very primal about that and uh, of course it, most of it you know in good fun and like you make good friends with the guys at the gym and there's really good community and all that so it's not like you're trying to kill everyone but you know you, the cool thing about jujitsu as opposed to most other spar pretty much at a hundred percent because sparring is they call it rolling and um it there's no striking so you can pretty much go as hard as you can and that's what i really like about it you can go kind of hard um but if you go too hard like every day that's just unsustainable so with jiu-jitsu you can roll really hard and just push yourself a hundred percent and and like put all of your aggressive masculine energy onto the mat and i think it's a really good outlet i think learn a lot about themselves when they do martial arts because i see this all the time where guys go into jujitsu you know i've been there new guys same with boxing guys come into these gyms off the streets and they think they're hot shit and they maybe they have like a little wrestling background or something they think they're really tough and they come in and you can kind of see it like they have this ego and they come in just thinking they're going to they're going to crush people and they see these guys that are smaller than them with even like a, a two-stripe white belt and they just get totally tuned up even though you know they might be 40 or 50 pounds bigger and i think that's the really cool thing about about jujitsu is that it gives especially for smaller guys but i mean for everyone it gives you tools to be able to level physical differences and to to take down bigger guys and it also is very humbling because you know it happens to everyone who goes in there they they get on the mat and they just realize like they realize how little they know and they realize how far they have to go and that's a good thing like you know it, it happened to me it happens to everyone and, and it's kind of this like ego death and then you're able to build back up from a new foundation. and it, it's really good physically of course but i think it's even better mentally for guys you know it gives that that confidence of being able to handle yourself better in a situation of being able to protect people you care about so yeah i mean it's great on pretty much every level i think everyone should at least try it out and not necessarily jujitsu you know there's there's muay thai there's boxing there's regular stuff that's great but anything with like live sparring where you can really pit yourself against someone else that's great yeah i mean like that's something i was thinking about because you're you're you look quite a big guy um but i bet in jiu-jitsu you have probably been uh had to tap out by a much smaller guy just because i mean i'm just guessing but just because they've had the uh years of experience and they have the technique down yeah for sure there's a there's a lot of smaller guys i, I think jiu-jitsu tends to attract smaller guys because of that reason um mm -hmm. and there's definitely a lot of smaller guys there that that have tuned me up plenty of times <laughs> and i'm not big i'm like average size i'm like 175 to 180 so i'm pretty average there's a lot of than me there too you know there's some there's some monster guys in there but it, it's good um so see with regards to obviously we covered like stretching and breathing and things have you ever tried any of this the methods that have been popularized recently like the wim hof method or anything 
Yeah, I read um I read What Doesn't Kill Us a few years ago and I tried some of Wim Hof's stuff and I remember I, I like I still do a lot of cold water exposure. I love going polar bearing and taking cold showers and jumping in the, the river in winter and stuff. And I get a lot out of that. The breathing, I don't know, I've gone back and forth with breath work. I, I remember trying his methods for breathing for a little while and I didn't get all that much out of it. And I've recently gotten back into other styles of breath work that I think are a, a little bit better, I guess, a little bit easier. I was speaking to an American friend of mine uh, the other week on the podcast and he asked me about Wim Hof and I said the exact same thing as you pretty much that for me, the breathing for some reason didn't get in out of it. It actually just made me feel like my muscles in my back actually just felt tense afterwards because I was pushing it so hard. But the cold water um, and cold in general was a game changer. Like I really, mm. really got a lot from that. Like I know... At the end of the day, a lot of people will just be like, it's just a cold shower, it's not a big deal. But I think it's a good way to psychologically like prep yourself. Like if mm -hmm. you just get in the cold water early in the morning, you can't be arsed to get out of bed even, and you jump into fucking freezing cold shower, depending on where you're located. I mean, I'm, I'm in Scotland, so it's cold here, so the water is fucking freezing. Um, and it's weird, it does give you this, like, I know this is probably egotistical, but it does give you that little sense of accomplishment. You know, in that way, like if you get up and you, like, as Jordan Peterson would say, clean your room, you clean your room first thing, you jump in a cold shower, and it kind of sets you up like, right, now I'm ready to deal with my day. Yeah. That's why I got out of it anyway. I, I, know, I know a lot of other people will go maybe more into the kind of science of it, like, um, I think it was like brown fat and all this stuff it can do for you, and that's great, but just more for me, it was always a psychological thing. Yeah, some people get into that. I think a lot of people who get into these kind of books and guys like Wim Hof are, are overweight people looking to lose fat, and... I don't really have much experience with that. I mean, I remember re reading about like the brown fat and all that. And I don't know, like you said, I'm not crazy about diving all that deep into the science of things. I like to try things out and experiment and see what works and what doesn't. And I think the cold showers and cold exposure in general is is more of a mental thing. I mean, like you feel physically good after. Yeah. I definitely feel alert and awake. But I think it is more the the mental aspect of just it's something that you don't want to do. It's something that, you know, you know, it's going to suck. You don't want to do it. And then you force yourself to do it anyway. And I think it's that it's a small victory in that way of overcoming. And especially if you start your day that way, it just sets up your mindset for the mindset of of overcoming, of facing conflict. So it's like a, it's a good small battle that is accessible to everyone that you can win every day. Yeah, you've got to win those small battles because they give you so much confidence, especially for guys out there uh, and women as well who, you know, have <laughs> have a problem with confidence and have a problem with uh getting those big wins get the small wins in and let them accumulate and you get stronger every day you don't just go from zero to hero in a week it takes time um and you know being in scotland like obviously it's pretty cold here it's dark here all the time it's always overcast so getting that sunshine you know is is, is a challenge so recently i kind of started supplementing with vitamin d just to see if that makes a difference is that something uh, in terms of supplementation do you do vitamin D or any other kind of supplements you take anything like that? Uh, I, I'll do vitamin D mostly in the winter. I try my best to get sun as much as I can. And like during the summer, I don't, I don't bother taking vitamin D or anything. Obviously the sun is the best source of it, but yes. you know, a lot of people are, are in situations like, like you said, where they might not be able to get as much sun. I live in, in New England on the East coast of the United States. And like during the winter, there's not much sun to be had, but you know, yeah. during the summer, it's pretty good. Oh, nice. So I, I cycle in vitamin D in the cold months when there's not much sun. So I think it's important to get that vitamin. But 
I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of supplements in general. I, I think I've wasted way too much money and way too much time trying all different ones, thinking that they were going to be like the cure or anything like that. And what yeah. I found is that 9% of them did absolutely nothing. And like maybe a couple have had a very mild change. I think really the only ones that are, that are worth taking are, uh, mineral supplements like zinc or magnesium yes because those those are traditionally found in the soil and now that the soil almost can't get those things from from food unless we buy like really local really healthy stuff and even then it's just not like it used to be so i think those can be a little bit more useful i think yeah. as far as vitamins like if you if you think you need extra vitamins you know get get some grass-fed beef liver and that'll cover all your bases yeah 100 i mean uh i went to a period a few years ago of just being upset trying to track down the ultimate supplement stack that yeah. was going to get me <laughs> from like this fucking sad depressed little guy into the ultimate man so i was yeah. tracking down all this spent hundreds of pounds all this shit that just basically didn't do anything or would just fucking make you constipated or give you fucking diarrhea yeah but eventually i realized pretty much what you just said there was um one of the main ones i take which i really really like is magnesium um that's awesome i think that's great especially when i've got quite a lot of like muscle tension just from general life so i always feel that works and obviously supplementing a bit with vitamin d now um but yeah that, that's it for me in terms of supplements i, I stopped taking things like protein shakes um a long time ago because in, in my in my experience it just fucked up my gut yeah uh, and I'd, I'd yeah it's just full of crap that's that's the issue i'd, I'd rather just have you know like a good protein source from like steak or something you know I, I try and eat a lot of steak now um i try and eat like uh, i don't eat beef uh liver um but i do eat lamb liver i find yeah. that awesome but beef's just a bit too strong for me Be uh, lamb and chicken is amazing um liver is great for that what what so you, i'm assuming then um supplements not a big deal for you and um, do you get obviously then a lot of your stuff from your diet so if you could talk a little bit about your diet that'd be great yeah so i've been um I've been trying to get a lot of stuff lately from a local farm. It's more expensive and it's harder to do, but I've just been, you know, trying to allocate more money toward my diet to get really good source. Cause I think in a lot of cases, the source is more important than the actual food. I, I think that, you know, beef is great and eggs are great, but if you're, if you're getting them from a supermarket, from animals that are really unhealthy, then they might not be so great. And yeah, there are certain things that I think are more important to get locally which is definitely um, beef, eggs, liver, especially. I would never, well, never get liver from a, <laughs> a supermarket. Let me jump know. in there quickly, right? See, with the liver thing, uh, I first tried liver from a supermarket. It was the worst thing I uh, tried in my life. And then I was like, no, this, this can't. This is what everyone, everyone in the carnivore community is telling me. Liver is the thing. I was like, this can't be it. So I went to this local butcher um a couple of miles away from me they got really really good reviews and that's where i bought the lamb liver and see the difference man it was it was like going from like mcdonald's to like um a michelin starred restaurant in terms of quality it was yeah. huge it was huge yeah yeah you also have to cook liver right I, i'm still trying to figure out the best way to cook it you have to cook it like really rare if, if you overcook it even the slightest bit it'll be almost unpalatable yeah so that's important too uh, but yeah, so for a while, like years ago, I was doing strict paleo. I did that for probably a couple years. And I don't know, I kind of got sick of it. I, I don't really like, like strict fad hardcore diets like that. They're very limiting and they make it so you can't have a whole lot of fun. Um, so now I, I still kind of keep a lot of those same principles. I try to eat a lot of 
I eat a lot of meat, a lot of eggs. I drink a lot of raw milk. Um, but I eat like sourdough bread. I, I go easy on the on the bread as much as I can. Most grains are really not good for you. Yeah. Uh, most nuts are really not good for you. So I, I take it really easy on those things. I've like pretty much completely cut out all uh, processed sugar and industrial seed oils, which are like the two biggest poisons in the food industry. They're really not even food. Oh, yeah. they're, they're pretty much just poison. So <laughs> yeah, I noticed right away when I stopped cooking, like if I was frying, like say I was frying food up um, and I would use like a vegetable oil, usual poison crap that you just buy from the supermarket. Yeah, I would always feel like shit afterwards and always have really bad reflux. But now if I cook in like duck fat or goose fat or beef fat, um, I don't get that at all. It's just going yeah. that yeah. feeling. And I started to click on that the stuff. I mean, even a lot of the times it's like the labeling is just there to fool you. So it may actually say, say you think you're buying like avocado oil or something, but it's not actually avocado oil. It's like avocado oil with all this other shit yeah it's primarily something else and there's a little bit of avocado in there so they can yeah. <laughs> they can claim it yeah. yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of trickery like that you have to be careful you know what you get because people know like, know that there's an organic fad and so they they try to just sell things as organic and it's yeah. barely passable so that's why it's always best to go local what do you think of uh like things like raw milk and like fermented foods yeah i love raw milk it I almost never drink regular whole milk anymore, like from a store. Uh, I've gone almost completely to raw milk. It's one of the places I'll put more money than almost anything else. I put a lot of money into raw milk because I think it's great. I feed it to my family. It's like a superfood, really. And yeah. I think that when you get milk from a supermarket or a store, it's pasteurized and it's homogenized. So they, they superheat it to kill all the bacteria and then to filters to break up all the fat particles and make it that even consistent texture and, and it's and it's from unhealthy animals in the first place so it's terrible i mean it's it's not good it's full of hormones it's full of all kinds of estrogenic yeah. stuff i mean in scotland uh when, when i first heard about raw milk i was like right i need to try this i need to try it i was i couldn't find anywhere i was like can't find raw milk and i ended up doing like a google search like a deep dive and it was like no raw milk is illegal in scotland yeah, they made it illegal. yeah no to me that was insane they made it illegal oof, i think it was in the like the late 90s or something i think some people got like a bad batch or something and died but, yeah it, but that's so rare i mean people eat bad steak or people eat bad vegetables and they can die well, why would you make it illegal it just seemed to me like a total overreaction you know it's always like one little case happens and then they ban it but then i mean if you look at the numbers the vast majority of food poisoning comes from lettuce and you know they're not yeah. going to go and ban lettuce of course it, i don't know the, there's probably people up there with with money at stake and, and even over in the states it's hard to find raw milk like i think in some states it is illegal but it varies from state to state and even from town to town i used to live in a place where i had to drive pretty far to get it so i didn't all that much but now, luckily, I live really close to a farm that that has it. So yeah, it's hard. It's it's so it's crazy to me that they would do that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's like the nanny, the nanny state. But apparently, if you go down to England, you can still get it. Um, if you if you know like a farmer down there, it's legal in England, just not in Scotland. Um, so see, like things like fermented food. Have you ever tried things like unpasteurized, like sauerkraut or uh, what's the one uh, kefir, that kind of uh, fermented milk or anything? You've done anything like that before? 
Yeah, I've had I've had kefir a few times. Um, I, I've tried not me so much, but my woman more so. She's tried a, doing a lot of lacto fermenting, where she ferments various things with um, with the raw milk. We've made like we've made our own whey, and then we use that whey to soak uh, to soak grains and to soak oatmeal and stuff like that to make it to make it more palatable and easier on the gut. Um, I, I like sauerkraut. I've never tried to make it myself. There's a lot of things that we want to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, to me, it feels like we've lost a lot of these skills, like that maybe our grandmothers or our great grandmothers would know all about this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. in terms of like the right diet and stuff. It seems like, I don't know when it happened. If it was the, if it was the, uh, birth of like the TV dinners or something, but something happened at some point and maybe the seventies or something. And diet seems to have just done a total just done a total shift because see for me in in, in january I've, I've been working out since september right i got back into working out um but then in january i was like right i'm going to change my diet because i need to lose weight um i was just really struggling with that so I, I changed my diet it's not something i'm going to go on long term but i basically cut way back on the sugar and the carbs and went basically high fat low carb or keto um and i've lost quite a lot of weight since then. i've lost about 11 kilograms since january there and it kind of made me realize like for the first while my body just didn't want to lose weight the first eight weeks because it was just it was almost like my body was in shock like it was fucked from all the years of the bad dieting you know what i mean um yeah but 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 then eventually it's kind of like caught up and now now i can have like a, a slice of sourdough with something i'm eating and it doesn't affect me like whereas before if i had that i would end up holding water weight or it would fuck up my weight loss whereas now i'm, I'm still i'm still working for me yeah well i'm sure you know as you've gone into the keto thing that you know it's basically trying to turn your body you know it's trying to make your body burn a different fuel like burn fat rather than carbs for its fuel yeah 100 you do when and with you do you need to have a lot of carbs for your training yeah, I, I do a lot of carbs. I think keto is good, or, or I've never like tried strict keto, but I think high fat, low carb is generally good for people who are trying to lose weight. Yes. I think it's effective there. I think, you know, for me, I'm pretty much always trying to bulk and put on weight and hard time doing that because of my body type and metabolism and all that. So like for me, I need to eat a lot of carbs um, to, to even have a chance of putting on any weight. Yeah, man. Uh, I, 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 I can relate to that somewhat. Um, what age are you, by the way, roughly? I'm 25. 25, cool. So when I, I was basically, I found it impossible when I worked out when I was younger, I just couldn't put on muscle. <laughs> I just wasn't eating enough food. Basically, that was a problem. Um, but then when I was about 27, just years of basically like just abusing my body, just sitting on a couch, being a stoner or whatever, and just eating junk food, it kind of fucked with my body to the point where I found it like impossible to lose weight. So this is the first time where I've really clocked on to the concept that cutting way back on carbs and sugar for me is making a difference. But I think once I lose the weight, I've got a few more kilos that I want to lose. I'm going to change my diet and include like um, more healthy carbohydrates and then try and build some muscle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that I think that hardcore diets in any way, like they might work well in the short term and yeah. help you reach a certain goal. But like, that, that's not a way that you want to live your whole life. You don't want to spend your whole life eating zero carbs. I mean, you know, balance is important. Yeah, man, 100%. I couldn't. Do, I mean, I mean, another week I had like roast potatoes cooked in like gook, uh, goose fat and it was just like heavenly. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, right? So I'm in my mid 30s. 
Um, so obviously when you start getting a little bit older, like testosterone starts to become a bit of an issue. Um, do you have any advice for like natural ways to increase testosterone? I mean, is, is, it, is it possible to increase it naturally? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I think that it, it's, it's kind of a frustrating topic because most people, you know, if you go online and look up how to, how to increase testosterone, or if you hear, if you buy like programs or books or whatever, and I've done all that in the past to try to figure it out, they pretty much all approach it from a, a physical perspective or a physical angle where, you know, they'll talk about diet, exercise, and sleep being the main things to increase testosterone. And those things are important. But I think that they're, those things are mostly to correct a deficiency. So if you're deficient in one of those things, then you might have very low T levels and increasing, you know, or improving your sleep or diet or, or whatever will bring you up to more of a, a healthy natural level. But then I think a lot of guys get frustrated and approaching it that way tends to ring hollow for a lot of guys because they, they might um, be doing everything right. They have a great diet, they're exercising and all that, and then they still have low T and then they see other guys out there who, who sleep like shit and eat like shit. And then they, they're still aggressive and, and dominant and high T guys. And, you know, they say, what the fuck? That's not, that's not fair. That's not right. Yeah. Yeah. So of course there's more to the picture than just the physical side of it. And it's harder to, it's harder to quantify. And I think that's why a lot of guys kind of avoid the topic, but I think that I think that the big thing to understand about testosterone is that it's really, it's a, hormone it's the it's the hormone that drives you to compete that drives you to win that drives you to expand your power to overcome and so even if you're sleeping well and doing everything right in that way but you're just kind of hanging around the house doing nothing or you have a a job that's killing you or a wife that's a nag or, or things like that like lifestyle situations then those will make your testosterone levels plummet even though you might be doing everything right supposedly so i think that I think that the really important thing that people don't pay enough attention to is create a lifestyle around winning, really around competing, around winning, around not necessarily like crushing or dominating, but just around raising your power and raising your, your competitive edge. And that's what really drives testosterone. I mean, your body, your body will get rid of things that it doesn't need. And if your body is, if you're never competing, then your body will realize that it doesn't need this testosterone. It, it won't bother producing it because it knows that you don't need it. It knows that you don't need to compete or fight or win or any of that. So I, I think that that's another great thing about martial arts and in a way about weightlifting, but more so about martial arts and about just following, um, following ventures that you have, creating things, uh, following whatever path that you want to do and like doing, doing real things doing them with gusto, trying to win and not just, you know, not just living like a, a passive life. Yeah. Those like are... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, I had interrupted you. Go ahead. So, yeah, uh, um, it, it's more, I think that it's more about lifestyle, really. And that's why uh, genetics definitely play a part. So about genetics, I hate to black pill yeah. people, um, yeah, but it's true. true. Genetics true. play a part. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. But that I think that it's more like it plays a part in predisposing you to certain characteristics. So like if you have genetics to be large and muscular, you're going to go through your early life being more physically dominant. And that kind of creates like a, a high testosterone loop. So, I mean, it definitely plays a role, but it, it's absolutely possible to raise testosterone levels naturally. I raised mine a ton from where I used to be. And a lot of it's mindset. Like if you're depressed, 
and you're bumming around the house and you're, of course you're going to have low testosterone levels. Like it's no wonder. <laughs> Would you say like even just working out in itself and lifting weights can help you boost your testosterone? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, on, on a physical level, heavy compound movements like squat and deadlift release a ton of yeah. testosterone, a ton of growth I, hormone. Cause I'm one of those guys like my genetics, I just can't grow a beard, right? Impossible. Can't grow a beard. Um, but I noticed after I'd started doing squats, I just started, I was, I became obsessed with squats. Um, I was, I didn't have access to a gym, so I was just doing bodyweight squats. I just do loads of them. Um, and after a few weeks, I just noticed I was like, it was, my hair was like almost like coming in slightly. Th- it was just, it was a slight noticeable thing. It was coming in almost like slightly thicker or something. Uh-huh. Um, and I just felt, I, I kind of felt that, that it was having an effect on, on my hormones. And it almost like as well, like, you know, like you watch a film and it's like, the story of the underdog sports team who win, who go on to win, even shit like that sometimes I feel can have an effect on your testosterone. Obviously not if you're sitting fucking watching films all day, like drinking soda and eating shit. But you know what I mean? Just for those odd occasions, it can almost give you that, I don't want to use the word motivation, but I sometimes feel like it can have an effect on people's testosterone. That's maybe why guys like watching competitive sports so much. Yeah, definitely. They've actually done a lot of studies where they've shown that, you know, when you're watching sports, a football game or whatever, and your team wins, you get a big spike in testosterone. And just from watching someone win, and not that I encourage people to <laughs> to do that, you get a bigger spike in testosterone and you win yourself. But yeah, yeah I mean, just, yeah. just be mindset of that competitive wanting to win mindset. And of course, like with the beard thing, a lot of that's genetics too. And, and I think one of the big testosterone does is it it um it brings out certain may or may not be brought out otherwise so like you have a whole lot of genes but only a very small amount of them are ever expressed and i think that testosterone obviously is responsible for like the masculine characteristics but I think that and if you have higher levels of testosterone i think that it it helps you express other genes that otherwise would just stay suppressed. And I've definitely noticed that in my own life. And I've seen it in other guys too, even if they're past puberty and they raise their test levels, then, you know, a lot of physical changes start to happen, even though they're, they, you know, their balls dropped a long time ago, but then their voice <laughs> still might get a little bit deeper and they might grow more facial hair and all that kind of stuff. And that yeah. they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, man, the human body is uh, like a labyrinth, but it's incredible things that can happen when you start to engage in just like healthy things, like like a man should, like working out or competitive uh, sport. I mean, one of the guys, I'm not, I don't follow a lot of bodybuilders or anything like that. It's not really, I mean, I like, I like, I like working out and stuff. But it's just the whole bodybuilding scene isn't really my thing, but I do really like one uh, bodybuilder in particular uh, called Tom Platts. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I'm somewhat familiar with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a video that I watched. It was like a squat. He's like squatting is like his thing. So um, he was given like a seminar on squatting, and the way he's talked about it, it was like um, he was almost he, he turned it into like he was almost like a philosopher. Um, and I would always then that's kind of what got me when even the way he spoke about it with the passion and how important it was to work out. It kind of echoes something you said earlier, like when you said you don't work out to have fun. That's kind of what he was saying as well he's like when i go to the gym i'm nervous i can feel my heart racing before i get in the squat rack because i know i'm about to basically kill myself in the squat rack and give it everything i have um obviously it's different they're using uh a myriad of you know drugs to also um help them you know uh, be able to recover but the mindset 
and his passion for what he was doing kind of, you know, really hit me and made me realize that, you know, I needed to include squatting in, in my workout. It was something I'd put off for so long. I was like, ah, oh, squatting, who cares? I can't be bothered with that. And I realized how important it was. And the more I did squats, the more I became almost addicted to them. And also the more I felt that kind of like high kind of T energy start to build over the weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Squatting is great. It's, I mean, squatting is hard. There's like, I think it's the hardest lift, you know, you get under a heavy squat and you get down deep and you, you get all the way into the hole. And sometimes if you're doing heavy weight, you're not sure if you can get back up. I mean, there's nothing else like that. Like with a heavy yeah. deadlift, if you can't, if you can't get the deadlift up, you just drop it. Oh, the squat you can't <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly that's it it's 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 crazy one man um so see for someone like obviously say there's some beginners out there who haven't stepped foot in a gym before or they haven't stepped foot in a gym in years um what advice would you give them like for getting started in a gym like what kind of workout should they do what should they be looking for so i, I think it's always best to put to focus on the foundational uh compound movements squat deadlift bench overhead press and chin-ups or pull-ups and also the bent over row i mean th that's pretty typical i think and focus on uh really high rep bodybuilding type stuff and that's how i started out was going into like weird advanced bodybuilding programs when i never lifted and i just wasted a lot of time and i ended up getting into starting strength after a couple years and I did that for a while and I did Jim Wendler's 531 for a while, which is kind of like a powerlifting program. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that a hundred percent. I would recommend that any beginner buys the book starting strength and reads it just because it's an exhaustive resource for learning how to do all the lifts correctly and not fuck yourself up, which is pretty easy to do. Yeah. Especially in the beginning. Um, so I would, but the, the issue with starting strength is that it focuses so heavy on the compound lifts and it focuses so heavy on squats and it, you don't do any arm work or anything like that. And so you kind of end up over time. And this is what happened to me is that I ended up physique where I had huge legs and I had a strong squat, but I had my arms hadn't grown at all. And, you know, people always say, well, your, your arms will grow when you do pull-ups, but no, they won't. <laughs> yeah. and not unless you have like God tier genetics where your arms blow up from doing pull-ups. I mean, you, what I would say is, strength or something like that as a foundation but so like also also work out your arms work out your shoulders work out other things too because you know you, you don't just want to get a strong squat I mean maybe some guys do of course it depends yeah. on your goals but, but like for me as a skinny kid like I wanted to get big I wanted to put on size and of course I also want to have a, a good looking physique so to other guys that are starting out I, I would say to not I, what I did was I, I kind of frowned on the bodybuilding and I frowned on people who cared about how they looked and I was like oh just just, just get strong get a strong squat and I, I don't think that's um I don't think that's a good way to approach it I was like man that was, that was kind of stupid, stupid. so I would say you know don't be don't be like I was don't be uh don't hate on people who want to look good I think it's easy to look at bodybuilding as being a vain thing you know guys that just want to that just want to look good and and that, like that's a, a shallow thing, but I don't think it is anymore. And I've I've grown into a different mindset where I think it's a, a noble calling to want to look good, to want to have yeah. an attractive body. So yeah, you know. man, I totally agree. I think we're living in a world that celebrates mediocrity, and it gets people too comfortable with it. I know some people can't reach that level for whatever reason. They might have injuries or 
health conditions going on. But we become too comfortable with mediocre and we're celebrating it too much and we're shaming people who want to, you know, surpass that and reach full glory um, because it makes people who are mediocre feel uncomfortable. You know, it hurts people's feelings. So let's just all be mediocre, you know. That's just, for me, that's crazy. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a quote from, uh, I'm partway through the book, Sun and Steel by, I think his name is Yukio Mishima, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah Japanese and, and, author. I know, I, I, know, I know the author, but I, don't, I have not seen the book. Yeah, yeah. And he has a quote um, where he, he basically talks about how looking at guys who want to look better and have aesthetic physiques and all that, looking at that as being vain or being like stupid or laughable or something like that, result of, of a, a feeling of physical inferiority and, and feeling bad about yourself where yeah. i was when i was looking at that as being stupid was i was i was small and i was like oh those guys are that's dumb to do bicep curls you know <laughs> <laughs> i think the key is to be to build the aesthetic physically but also build the mind so to be be like like that tom platts guy i was talking about like almost like the philosopher uh weightlifter do you know what i mean yeah build both muscles without a doubt yeah uh, i mean so, some people will definitely focus more on something some guys are way more into the aesthetics and into the body more into just getting strong as hell and don't care so much how they look and it's like you know whatever you want as your personal goal is fine I, I try to do a mix of both i want to look good and be strong so i try to i try to balance those two things out is there like an exercise that you almost hate to do but you know that when you do it it's so fucking goddamn worth it uh high rep squatting so i like to do i like to do heavy squats three or four you know those are fun to me but then like high rep hypertrophy squatting of 10 12 or more sets or reps rather those are brutal i, I hate those but <laughs> they're, yeah, they're good yeah, to yeah. grow that's what that's what tom platz was doing he was i can't remember the weight he had but he had this crazy amount of weight on and he does like 50 reps and oh, he just keeps yeah. saying just do five more and he, and he get he does it and just do five more and the guy looks like he's having an out-of-body experience <laughs> just looks yeah, that's, unbelievable. That's right. I've never done that many. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm way early in this game. I'm doing a lot of body weight stuff, so I, I've not really had a chance to properly go to a gym, so it's all just like push-ups and pull-ups and things like that. But I found that, like, I really do not look forward to doing, like, dead hangs, like just hanging from a bar. Um, uh -huh. But I, I feel so good after doing it because I just hang on. Every time I get a little bit longer, I can hang on a little bit longer. But it's just the burn going through your forearm. It just gets to the point where it's like excruciating. But then as soon as you let go, you feel amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's I like, like to do that. It's good for lengthening the spine and all that. Yeah, man, it's like it's like that. Um, it's that sense of reward. You got to go through a little bit of pain and then the reward, the dopamine hit and the reward in general is just so much more satisfactory. And I think that is a good thing in a world where we are oversaturated with dopamine hits every time we move our head there's a tv screen or there's something happening that's trying to sell us something or manipulate us in some way yeah i, I think it's best to to just throw out your tv <laughs> yeah man oh fuck you know what i uh i went through a period where um i was obsessed with like collecting things i don't know why i had to collect this i had to collect that so i was like buying all these blu-rays and dvds and I realized I had this huge library full of them and I, I looked at them one day and I realized I was like, that is not only just a waste of money. I feel like I did that to somehow comfort myself rather than doing something worthwhile. 
and all that is is a distraction now. It just sits on this shelf as a distraction. So I just got rid of them all, sold them all. Yeah. Um, I don't own any, and I do have a TV in the house, um, but I don't own like um, any any DVDs or Blu-rays or any of that shit anymore. Um, I just stopped playing. I stopped playing video games pretty much. Um, it just stopped being. I kind of just see it in a new way. It's like it's it's not that I can't appreciate the artistry and skill that goes into these things, but I would much rather be doing something like working out or being with my friends in the moment or reading something. Yeah, the screens in general and video games huge issue for so many guys, and it's been an issue for me in the past too. I've gone through phases where I've been heavily addicted to screens and. And it's so easy to do because it, it like it feels good. It's so accessible. They're they're always around in most people's houses, and and it's so easy to just kind of passively get sucked into a video game rather than yeah. go do something hard because it feels so much better. And I ended up just getting rid of my TV. I said enough, and I fucking threw it away. <laughs> yeah, the television or or the screen used to be a thing. People maybe in the twenties and thirties would go somewhere out their house, and it'd be a big event, and you'd yeah. go and watch. And now the TV has become God in a way, or it's become like the babysitter of your kids. It's, uh, yeah. it's, we don't use it. We, you know, I'm not against technology. I think technology has the power to liberate us in so many ways, but it just needs to be used as a tool and not, you know, well, not, not like a ball and chain that you're attached to. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It is amazing. Like with the internet, I mean, so many of the things that we do now wouldn't be possible without the internet. I mean, I, I kind of shudder to think where I would be without like being able to find communities of strength mm. and health and masculinity on the internet. Like I think about that a lot and I'm grateful for that. But like you said, it has to be, it has to be under your control and you have to use it as a tool because it so easily just takes over your mind and takes over your body. It's, it's so invasive in that way. You really have to keep it at bay. I totally agree. Totally agree, man. And another thing that I think a lot of guys struggle with nowadays due to things like the internet and the amount of screens is porn addiction. And yeah. I mean, that is like fucking porn addiction is fucking so overlooked. It's like, it's like how sugar addiction is overlooked. I mean, that sugar addiction and fucking um, porn addiction is like the same as like being addicted to crack, co- take, uh, crack cocaine, man. I mean, it's just like it totally destroys people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's awful to see. And uh, there's so many guys struggling with it. And I think that the NoFap movement is great. I I think it's great that it's like it's starting to come to the forefront how bad it is. And, you know, like most guys my age that were that were phases of being addicted, I, I had to I had to kick it. You know, I had to like consciously put in a lot of work to break that habit. It's not easy. (laughs) <laughs> you know what you know it's an addiction when you don't actually realize you're addicted then one day you go oh my god i'm i'm absolutely addicted I, it just suddenly happens i mean that's what happened to me i realized that you know it's like a bunch of guys it's like porn yeah porn. do you see that blah blah it's all fine and then you realize it's actually not fine and that you are absolutely addicted to porn um and when i actually tried to stop um almost it was weird like I think I think for a lot of, for a long time I was like using things like porn and whatever like masturbation and all that kind of stuff as like I think a lot of guys do use it for that as escapism, yeah. Um, to, rather than dealing with reality, and when you break that cycle, like see the sense of freedom you feel and the sense of like inner accomplishment. Uh, I think it was it was like amazing for me. It totally revitalized me as a as a man and as a person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It definitely is a, an escapism thing. It's avoidance because 
it, it's so much easier to to just go online and find like all the beautiful women you could want to jerk yeah. off to rather than you know go out in the world and face the possibility of rejection which and again it's like a cycle where the more you yeah. do that the bigger of a deal it becomes and then it's just it's the most terrifying thing in the world yeah. to actually talk to a girl in real yeah. life but it's, it's like exactly. you, you have to do it you have to break that habit you have to man because the thing is with the uh, if you're sitting there masturbating all day to these uh chicks online it's like you're actually probably just lowering your testosterone and then you're making oh, yeah, it even harder sure. to go out whereas if you just went out and you know it was scary yeah it's scary it's tough you're going to get rejected that's life go out try it just don't be a creep about it but go out and do your thing and uh you might get that testosterone boost because you're getting those wins. You're, oh, yeah. And you're you're making the wins happen. Um, yeah, I, I feel bad for a lot of guys out there, especially growing up uh, in the age we do now where they basically, it's, it's different maybe for like our fathers and their fathers who grew up with the odd magazine. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's you, totally different. When it's like high bandwidth, uh, you know, high speed internet and you have 400 tabs open, and they get each tab gets freakier and freakier. Oh yeah, I and mean, you can find anything. What is it like Rule Thirty Four, where if it exists, there's a porn about it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you I can go down bad. some dark rabbit holes, man. Yeah, man, I, I feel bad for uh for a lot of guys out there who are totally stuck in that cycle. But I think they they are also quite lucky in that the internet also gives them the space for the no fat movement to help them like extract themselves from that. It just takes a discipline and as as possible, you know. Yeah, it's possible. You know, the resources, the support is out there, the information, you can easily look it up and realize how and why it's so terrible for you. And, you know, all that's left after that is just the willpower to change. Yeah, man, exactly. That, And I think that whole process of change is so empowering um, for a man and a woman, you know, in general, just going through the change process and realizing that you are the protagonist in your own story. You're not a fucking NPC, but it's going to take a little bit of discomfort, get fucking used to it. And you're going to feel better about your life, man. And you're going to take control again. Yeah. I, I think it's important to, to look at this. This is something that um, Peterson's 12 rules for life. Uh, yeah. It was really influential on me. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I think it was rule number two where he says, treat yourself or take care of yourself the yeah. way you would take care of someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think that's an important because you know you, you could look at your friend who's got a porn addiction or, or any kind of bad habit, and you you know exactly what you tell him. You say, oh, do this, do that. It's easy, blah blah blah. But then when it comes to yourself, then it's a whole different game. And so I, I think, like you said, you do have to see yourself as as the the star of your own story, as the hero of your own journey. And to, yeah. you know, try to give yourself that advice and give yourself the the same tips and everything that you would give to someone else. I mean, I was always the asshole who had all the information in his head who would who would not go to the gym, but would tell people, well, what you need to do is you need to do this and you do that. But I was fucking just a lazy bastard. Um, but I would give people all this advice and it wasn't bad advice. It was like well researched and stuff, but it was like not coming from a place of lived experience. I was too busy. I was like, and that rule really made sense to me because I was like, wait a minute, I'm trying to look after all, the, all my friends, but you know, I'm not trying to fucking help myself. And that really woke me up a bit. And the other rule, I, I don't remember the exact wording of it, but it's like something like, com don't compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Yeah. I think that's the rule. What do you think of that one? Because that, that, for me, that really struck a chord, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I've thought about that a lot, actually. And I, I haven't quite come to a, a really clear answer on that. Because like, in some ways, it is important to 
to always pit yourself against your past self and to try to, you know, to self overcome and to be better than you were. But then on the other hand, like if you never compare yourself to other people, then you're kind of just a, a floating atom with nothing else to you have no reference point, you know. So yeah. I think it's important to I think you kind of have to keep a balance with that where like you, you you're always competing against yourself and trying to get better. But then you're also trying to find peers against whom you can compete and improve yourself. And I think that I, I think that the key point there is that these are peers. You're not trying to compete against people who are in a totally different league than you because yes. that'll just make you feel like shit. And you're not trying to compete against people who are like way farther down than you because then it just gives you a, the big fish in a small pond type of situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you have to I think that you have to do both. I think that if you only ever compete against yourself, then you're gonna miss out on a lot and you're gonna mess out a lot of growth and you're you're probably not gonna have that reference point where you're probably gonna think you're a lot better than you are if you've never pitted yourself against other people, like against your peers. And and yeah. that that reference point is important for sure. Man, I think that is like like see for me, I've never actually thought about it the way you've just explained, but I, I I'm totally with you on that. I think at first, when you're trying to make the change happen, and we're talking about those small victories that you need, just compare yourself to yourself and do the baby steps that you need to do. But I think eventually, when you're you're going through the process a bit further down the line, I think as, as we talked about earlier, it's important for men, you know, to do things like martial arts or do sports and compete against other people. So you will compare yourself to their performance, or you're you're you're. There's a guy at work who's outperforming you, but you need to outperform him to get the promotion that you really want. Then you're going to have to compare yourself to them some way and measure it. But I think at first, in the early stages, um, I think that rules good early on in the process, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it's kind of a matter of like always trying to step up into a new peer group. So there's kind of, I mean, there's a hierarchy to everything. And when you first start down a certain path, you're always going to be at the bottom. I mean, that's just how it goes. And it sucks being at the bottom, but then you keep working and you start to work your way up. And, and it's like you get into higher, higher tiers or higher peer groups. And then you start comparing yourself and competing with the other guys in that peer group. And you just try to keep moving up in that way. Yeah, man. No, I agree with that 100%. Do you think, um, what do you think men can do in, you know, 2021 to, uh, I don't know, man. It feels like, it feels like we're living in an age that, um, and I don't want to go too much into this, but I, I do still believe it somewhat that we're living in an age that is basically men are bad and men need to become more feminine in order to be good, which is wrong, I think. But that seems to be the age which we're living in. Do you, what do you think men can do to deal with that? Just fucking ignore it and just do the, do what they've been always been doing or what? Well, I, I definitely think that it's kind of the it's kind of the trend of trying to create like one giant homogenous people so like they they try to make the men less masculine and they try to make the women more masculine and then it's like we have this kind of weird situation going on where there's men competing against women in the same fields and women are being told from all angles that they need to step up and be breadwinners and be dominant and like and be masculine basically and then men are being told from all angles they need to step down and let the woman lead and and you know get rid of their quote toxic masculine and so uh, i think the most important thing is to just adopt the mindset of understanding that there is a huge difference between men and women it doesn't matter what anyone says 
the media pundits say there is a huge difference. And mm. I think that you have to embrace that difference. And and you have to like men and women are complementary. So yes, if you I, I have a good woman and she's more traditional and I see the way it is when we when we raise our kids and and in our relationship and everything, it, it's the power the two complements of the masculine and feminine, they build something different. They build something bigger than themselves. Whereas if they're both trying to be more masculine or trying to be more feminine, it's like they're, they'd be butting heads rather than building something bigger. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. it's like two parts to something. And so, so you have to, you have to get the mindset of there is a big difference. There is masculinity, there is femininity. Um, and then if you're a man, then you need to you need to learn about what masculinity is because probably everything you've been told your whole life about masculinity is a total lie and yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I would i would recommend reading the way of men for like the the basic like the masculine starter pack <laughs> yeah yeah it's like and, and it's like in schools i mean my son and daughter are i've just started school pretty much and i feel very much like school the school system at least in my country is very feminized um but n like and it's not good for young boys yeah because yeah, they're, they're, they're being told like everything that makes them boys like that rough rambunctious kind of like competitiveness um that energy full of energy they've been told to wrap like basically stop that yeah, and if they don't and, stop it they're given a whole bunch of meds and drugs that, that yeah. forcibly stop it which i think is criminal yep yep exactly i mean it's it's <laughs> yeah that's exactly it man it is it's, it's fucking criminal it really is um they've been told they have adhd when they don't really have adhd so take all this this ritalin or whatever else or these tranquilizers and it's uh it's a shame i think they need to somehow bring i don't know how they'll do it if they can do it but there needs to be something brought back into that um that kind of balances it somewhat because it feels like it's totally skewed with one view and you really need both you need the masculine and the feminine approach not just one yeah i think the school system in general i don't know if the school system will ever really at least not in our age will ever really return to being balanced i mean kind of the whole basis of like intellectual or academic education is, is feminine most of the teachers are women uh especially in the younger grades when you know if a boy is six seven or eight he's almost guaranteed to have a female teacher who of course is going to try to impart her feminine ideal on the boys and and you know they're good people and usually they have good intentions but they just i see this with women and with mothers all the time it's like they just don't understand young boys and what they need and that's yeah. why it's important and provide that masculine role model and masculine guidance because the women just aren't capable of it even if they're well-intentioned which usually they are they they'll probably end up doing more harm than good have you ever read the book um it was released in the 90s it's quite it's quite a popular book it's called king warrior magician lover i haven't read it i have i've heard about it i've seen it but i haven't read it now yeah I would, it's quite short as well it's like 130 140 pages or something um i would i just recently read it man um and even though it was written in like 1992 i feel like it was written yesterday yeah because the shit they were talking about in the 90s to do with like the crisis and masculinity and stuff it totally applies to today 100%. Yeah. And, and those are like money. those are four archetypes right like those are kind of yeah. the archetypal i mean those things are pretty much infinite you know like no matter what the age no matter what the times i think that there will always be archetypes and there will always be these kind of you know this isn't the first time in history that things have been this way far from being the first and definitely won't be the last yeah it's one of the reasons i actually want to find a book that 
offers the, the the female archetypes um because obviously i've read the masculine ones i want to i want to see what the the female ones is just to kind of like broaden my understanding but yeah the the book's amazing and talks about like all the ways the the archetypes can go wrong so instead of becoming the king you become the weakling prince you know the prince that's always like uh, oh, yeah. oh oh mommy i need this or uh, i'm hurt because i need you know that kind of way yeah, the pampered prince <laughs> exactly he talks about it, it goes through all these uh, the the authors go through all these different ones and explain them but they make them really accessible and they use a lot of stuff to do with mythology and obviously me being a norse pagan um the mythology aspect and the archetypes within that really fascinating for me yeah yeah for sure i i was raised um i was raised very christian i was my father was actually a, a christian preacher oh thanks in um it, kind of a small lesser known sect of christianity called swedenborgianism it's kind of it's very intellectual and most people haven't heard of it and it's probably best that way <laughs> <laughs> and, and so i i was raised going to church and all that and I could never stand it. I, I never liked that stuff, man. I could never stand all the Christ stories and all that. He was like, yeah. you know, as a young boy who's looking for a, a certain archetype or a role model, the, the role models that were being presented to me, like Christ, that was just not appealing to me. I was like, I don't want to do that. That's not who yeah. I want to be. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard for me. Um, I think Christianity has a lot of great stuff in there. Um, but regards to Christ, like how the a, Christ, a Christian should be Christ-like, they're trying to emulate Christ from my understanding. I mean, I was raised with no religion, but my limited understanding is a Christian should try and be like Christ. But he's like turning the other cheek and stuff like that. Whereas like my ancestors going back to, you know, the Celts and the Gaelic people and the Norse, um, you know, vengeance was a good thing <laughs> and it was um, fine to act out on vengeance. Um so it always felt very unnatural for me to always be like, yeah, turn the other cheek and uh, those who live by the sword die by the sword, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that pretty much all of Christianity is kind of it's a, I think the reason it's gotten so big is because it's an incredible religion for controlling giant masses of people and making them docile and making them. Mm. And, and that's not what young guys want. Young guys don't want to turn the other cheek like they might if that's what they're told to do. But that's not what they want. It doesn't make them feel good. Young guys want to they want to fight back. Boys don't yep. want to take shit like to take more shit <laughs> yeah yeah that, yes. that's not what they want young men need to work out the riddle of steel that's what it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what are you religious now or is it just doesn't play a part in your life uh i've i've looked into the the norse paganism a little bit i find it interesting I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with like the stories and the gods and and i like it um they're cool i like some of the i think they're much better role models than not even necessarily role models, but they're kind of better like archetypes to embody yep. than than anything that Christianity or, or, or most other religions have to offer. Yeah, but I, I haven't dived all that deep into it. I, I've read like I've read the Eddas and I've read some of the stories and stuff like that. Yeah, that for me, um, when I first kind of I've developed my kind of like faith in uh, paganism somewhat since then. But when I first kind of started out, I was immediately attracted to these characters because of their archetypal you know representation i could totally see in them almost subconsciously what they were representing you know the king the warrior the magician the lover i saw it within the archetype of the gods and the heroes told in the myths um yeah. and that shit should be taught more at school i think i mean um, just in history class or something um because those are these are ancient you know symbols um uh, and ancient archetypes that are deeply rooted within our you know, masculine brains, although we might not totally understand them when we're looking at them, we definitely feel the power there. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there anything else, man, you wanted to talk about today? Uh, no, nothing in particular. I think that's about it. I, I think yeah. that um, I, I think that one thing I would like to end with is is talking briefly about about strength and of course this is something that i've been pursuing and you know it's the name of my my profile and that to me walking the path of strength is the way forward for young guys you know it's going to mean different things for different people but i think it's important for for young guys to get on this path of strength to see it as a good thing to see it as a virtue rather than as a weakness which is what it's being pushed as and i i think that thing that guys understand is that you have to discharge your strength i I think i think so many guys they read a lot of books they go online they follow these guys and i've fallen into this trap myself where i i've accumulated so much knowledge and i've learned so much and and i've got all this good you know advice i didn't have the experience and so what i would really say is you have to build up your strength by learning and by working out and all of that but then you have to discharge your strength on the world you have to you have to go out, you have to gain experiences. And if you have all of this in you and this latent energy, but then you never let it out, you know, that's just gonna, that's just gonna burn up inside of you and, and you're gonna feel terrible. So, so, so go out and make mistakes and, and fuck things up and learn from it and keep going and, and discharge your strength. That's what it's all about. If you have a lot of strength, but you never discharge it, then it's basically pointless. So <laughs> that's what yeah, I would say. I- yeah, I think that you've said that perfectly because that totally resonates with me, man, because that was pretty much who I was for so long, was the guy that would go on, watch all the videos, live vicariously through these speakers and people and, and get all the information that was all in my head, but not go out into the world and, you know, as you just said, you know, discharge it, live it, um, uh, build the experience. That was always, uh, man, I'll do that later. I'm doing this now. And some things you can, you, we can over-prepare, can't we? We can just be stuck in a loop. Yeah. Of, yeah like, we, it, we, th- we think it's we're like... terrible. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> we think we're like learning and, and doing, but we are learning somewhat, but we're not living um, and, and we're not acting. I think being, actually going out and acting and doing will always trump that every time. Yeah. I, I mean, like an ounce of experience is worth any amount of of knowledge and conjecture and all that and and people who think they know a whole lot they go out and they try it and then they realize how little they know and i don't even mean to phrase it negatively like that what i would say is that you know you can you can learn a lot of things in your head but then you go and you try something even just one time you try it and you learn so much more and it might be kind of like a a smaller foundational knowledge but just having gotten that knowledge from experience it's worth so much more it's it's got so much more gravity to it. So prioritize experience always. Yeah, man. I can't remember the quote, but I think it's like Meg Tyson that says something like, everybody's got a plan to they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, and, that's and, true. And you can, yeah, you can totally take that out of boxing and, and, and apply it to life. You know, you can have all the plans in the world, but, you know, you, you step outside your front door and then life hits you uh, and, you know, you have to adjust, you have to learn and you have to draw upon your lived experience. Yeah, you can have all the ideas in your head about what you'll do and all the plans, but then when the actual thing happens, you're you're going to fall to the level of your experience, to the level of your training, and to basically what you've done before. So yeah. that's experience is king. Yeah, man, hundred percent on that one. I've really enjoyed speaking to you today, dude. I think that uh, I'm gonna. I'd love to have you on again in the future. 
uh we could talk about some more crazy shit <laughs> yeah sounds good man hey we, thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah man no any i've really really enjoyed talking to you dude and listen thanks again chris and i'll catch up with you soon all right you got it have a good one you too man thanks